You are listening to the Zero Lives Left podcast, episode 29. Welcome to the Zero Lives Left podcast. What is it you have always wanted to do? Are you stuck going around in circles? Sound familiar? Maybe you have always wanted to start a business. Maybe there's a particular career path you've wanted to follow. Each episode, we bring you an inspiring insight from someone who has done it, how they did it, along with actionable tips on how you can make it happen. Now, here's your host, Wayne Denner. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Zero Lives Left podcast. My name is Wayne Denner. Good to have you with me here today. If you're just joining and tuning in for the first time, and this is your first episode of the show, where have you been? Welcome, welcome. Let me give you a quick rundown on how things work around here. Each episode, we bring you valuable podcast banter on business and career. Each show features a different guest who shares their insights and experience with you, the listener. Whether you're interested in starting a business, maybe you have a business, or you'd like to get started in a particular career path, this is the show for you. You've come to the right place. We will have something useful which will help you along on your journey. Don't forget if you've got any topics, questions, suggestions for items you would like me to cover on the show, I would love to hear from you. Please drop me an email into zero lives left podcast at gmail.com or send me a tweet to at zero lives left. As always, if you're listening to this show over on iTunes, please do remember to rate and review the podcast. Reviews are very important and they do help other people find this podcast. If you're listening over on Stitcher Radio, please do remember to leave a review over there as well. As with all our episodes, they are packed full of really useful and valuable information. So make sure you grab yourself a pen and a piece of paper so you can write down some of the key bits of information you're going to get on this episode. Joining me today, I have Nikki Bradley, who has a truly, I mean a truly inspirational story. She's an inspirational guest. She's a motivational speaker with such a positive outlook on life. So you know what? Let's not waste any more time and get right in to episode 29 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Now, from glacier abseiling to attempting a Guinness World Record, our guest today has not what you'd call a normal life. Diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer at the age of just 16 and a receiver of a second hip replacement at the age of just 26, Nikki Bradley has been on a truly unique and remarkable journey. Nikki, I purposely wanted to keep your introduction short so that we can get right into chatting about your journey and also your achievements. Thanks for taking time out, which must be a very, very busy schedule, to join me on the Zero Lives podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. You're very good. No, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you again. Um, Nikki, we've touched on this in the introduction. You were diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer at the age of just 16 and receiver of that second hip replacement at the age of just 26. You've been on somewhat of truly a unique journey. Can yeah. you share a little more with our listeners, you know, the journey so far and some of the things that you've come across? Sure. Okay, so as you mentioned, I was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma at 16. It was about two weeks before Christmas in 2002. um, And basically in the space of half an hour, my life changed. My family and myself had very little dealings with cancer before my diagnosis. I was actually the first in my family to be diagnosed. So it was really shocking for us all. But we had no choice but to form a plan quite quickly because I I was facing about a year and a half of treatment starting the following January. 
So January 2003 came and I started what would be about a 12, no, it was about, it was about maybe eight month journey with chemotherapy. I had 12 cycles of chemotherapy. I had six weeks of radiotherapy and I had to travel to the UK for invasive surgery. And it was a tough time. I had to leave school pretty much straight away and never went back to that school again. So even that in itself, as, as a young adult, you know, ending my teen years, to just have to walk away from everything I knew was very difficult. Thankfully, though, after the treatment, I got the all clear and I've been cancer free ever since. So I, I appreciate that that is that in itself is something to be extremely grateful for. And I am every day. However, for me, the treatment for cancer was actually worse than the disease itself. Radiotherapy destroyed my right hip. I have had, like you mentioned, the second hip replacement by 26. I had my first hip replacement when I was 21. I'd spent about roughly about a year in absolute agony in 2006. It started with, I was sitting at the table doing coursework one day. Like I'd gone back to adult education because I was adamant that I wanted to basically go back to normal and I wanted to go to university. So when I got the all clear, I went back to education. So I was studying for what's called in the Republic of Ireland, uh, the Leaving Certificate, I think it's the A-levels with yourselves. And I was sitting at the table doing coursework one day and by that evening I was in hospital on morphine. And from that day to this, I haven't really walked the same since. Fast forward a year later to that day and I had my first hip replacement. It turned out that the hip fragments or the hip bone was crumbling due to damage caused by radiotherapy and I had no choice but to have a hip replacement which for a 21 year old is quite strange because at the time I I saw hip replacements as something older people had and so to be facing my first one at 21 was weird but at the same time very next day after that surgery the pain was gone so even though it might have been strange to have that type of surgery I didn't care because I was pain-free and that just meant the world after the year that I'd had so I went on back to trying to find my way back onto the the road that I had been trying so hard to travel which was the one of getting to university and I eventually did I got into NUI in 2010 I think but after about a year of being in university my leg just kind of gave up again and I ended up having my second hip replacement by the age of roughly 26. And I've faced further surgery since I've had, I broke my femur in 2011 because the leg wasn't being used. And I'm now facing full right leg amputation. So it's been a tough road medically, but it's been an absolutely excellent learning opportunity. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, that's something that, you know, most young people don't experience. In fact, most people in their lives don't actually experience what you went through. I mean, you alluded to it, the fact that, you know, you associate, well, I would actually associate hip replacements with elderly individuals. Yeah. Um, it's not something that a young person, that, that would happen to a young person necessarily. So it's been a tough, rocky road. It's been difficult, no doubt. And I mean, what you've experienced so far in life, though, thus far, hasn't really stopped you from pushing boundaries. I mean, I'm looking at your website. I'm looking at these trips to Iceland. I'm looking at these mountain climbs. I'm looking at these, you know, glacier abseiling attempts. Things like a Guinness World Record attempt. I mean, t- tell me about those. Okay, well, the, just to give you a little background into how that all happened. In 2013, after six months of regular trial treatments down in Dublin, I was called in to see my consultant where I thought he was basically going to talk through another trial 
procedure. That year I'd had things, this was to deal with pain management. I'd had things like epidural, spinal cord stimulation, nerve blocks, all of these types of things to help with pain. So when I was called in to see him, I thought it was simply to discuss another one. But he actually sat me down and said that we'd kind of reached the end of the road in terms of what they could do for me. And I actually haven't seen that consultant since. That was the last time I saw him. So that day was a big turning point for me and one I'll never forget. I walked out of the hospital and just sat down for a second and thought about my situation and what I'd achieved or what I hadn't achieved at that point. And I realized that I basically had been waiting to get better for the majority of my 20s. I'd put everything on hold because I kept thinking that I would get off the crutches that I'd been on for quite a while. So to be told during that meeting that I would actually stay on the crutches for the rest of my life and that the situation I was in at that time would actually worsen was strangely the news I needed to hear. And about a month later, I decided to set up Fighting Fit for Ewings. Fighting Fit for Ewings is an awareness campaign that I decided to set up to give me purpose, but also to help others and to use my unique story in a positive way. And I decided to base it around physical challenges simply as an experiment. So what we did to start with was myself, a physiotherapist and a personal trainer sat down. We discussed the things that I could do, the thing, the challenges that I couldn't. And they decided to set up quite a vigorous training program for three months just to see if it would help with my pain. And after three months, I was off all pain medication, which is in my opinion, phenomenal. I didn't actually expect exercise to have such a positive effect. So with the campaign, I decided to do things like mountain climbing and fun things that would keep people interested in the campaign and also keep me motivated. So that's where the Guinness World Record came in because after one or two challenges went well, it basically snowballed. I realized I loved adventure and it went from climbing mountains to attempting a Guinness World Record in Holland. And how that actually came about was thanks to social media. Last year, I was given, towards the end of the year before, I think it was, I was given the news that I would actually lose my leg completely from the hip joint because the bone is so badly damaged. And when I was given this news, I was obviously devastated. But rather than kind of feel sorry for myself, I decided to prepare myself for the inevitable. So I started looking up people online who had already faced amputation and who were experiencing or pushing themselves and pushing boundaries and making the most of their situation. And I found a guy called Michael Robert Brands, who is from Holland. Michael actually lost his leg to cancer a number of years ago. And I was following him on Instagram because, to be honest, I found him quite inspirational. One day he put up a post saying, I'm delighted that my application for fastest 5K on crutches with Guinness has been accepted, which was so strange because about two months before I'd applied for the exact same world record in the female category. So I got in touch with them and explained, shared my story with them. And we decided because it was so unusual that we'd found each other in this way, we decided that we would do our records together. So I actually traveled over to Holland and the two of us did our record attempts on the same track on the same day. And it was absolutely phenomenal. That type of experience, you can't those experiences that come along, in my opinion, you can't turn down because it's really is a, how that all played out was such a coincidence that you, I think those kind of things, when they come along, you have to say yes to. So when I came back to Ireland, I was full of energy and ready to go on to the next challenge. And it's that's how it works. It's just one leads to the other and to the next. And it's it's been amazing. Now, let me get this right. You just got the news that there's a possibility <laughs> that your leg might be amputated. You decide then to start climbing mountains and attempting Guinness World Records. Amazing, if not bonkers. 
<laughs> well, I had been before I got the news about my leg needing to be amputated. I had been doing challenges already. The news of the amputation only came last year because I actually asked for a second opinion. I'm being treated now over in Birmingham. So there's been, you know, from 2013 to now, that's when I started the challenges and the campaign. But yeah, so I, I just decided, do you know what? Life is for living. I'm clearly somebody that has been put on this earth to be tested. And I don't mean that in any way, a religious way. I literally just mean I just seem to have, some might say, bad luck. I think continued opportunities to make the most of whatever comes my way. So when I do have setbacks now, I see them as opportunities to test myself and to see what I can really do rather than moan about my situation just get on with it because at the end of the day these things are going to happen whether I'm happy with them or not so why not actually find the positive within these and do something fun with it like these challenges are brilliant I would recommend everybody do stuff like this because the feeling at the end incredible but yeah it all stemmed from bad news from doctors well, it's, it's pretty inspirational and pretty amazing. I mean, I'm struggling to just do a 5K and actually get myself motivated to do that. And I mean, it's just amazing what you've been able to achieve and what you've been able to do. You know, health and fitness has obviously been a really, really important part of your life. And you kind of alluded to it a couple of moments ago about that aspect of, you know, health and fitness and how it's been helping yeah. on your journey. You launched the campaign. Can you tell us just a little bit more about the campaign that you launched to create a little bit more awareness about that type of yeah. cancer? Okay, so Fighting Fit for Ewings was set up to, as I mentioned, initially to give me purpose and also to help others, but its main kind of purpose would be to highlight the importance of exercise for rehabilitation and also to raise awareness for Ewings sarcoma. As I mentioned earlier, more as an experiment, we decided to, to look at exercise and see what it could do to help me with my pain. I've been left with chronic nerve damage from my initial operation in 2003, and for anybody that's experienced nerve pain, they'll understand that it is truly horrific when it strikes. And it's also really unpredictable. So I wanted to use my experience with pain and, and link it with exercise, just really just to see. I, I was of the opinion that if it didn't work, it wasn't the end of the world, but why not give it a go? So once it started working for me, I really wanted to get that message out there that, look, even if you're in pain, your body will want you to rest, but rest isn't always the best thing. So for somebody like me that's had a couple of hip replacements, prolonged resting can actually cause you to stiffen up and actually lead to more pain. So gentle exercise, or in my case, vigorous exercise actually helps. So I decided with the campaign that it would be almost like a blog and I would document my own experiences, the different treatments that I tried, holistic treatments, all, all these types of different things that I wasn't told by doctors would help, that I just found myself as I went along and share that with everybody through social media because when I was diagnosed in 2002 we didn't have access to Google like we do now you know Ireland was a very different place and at times I felt extremely isolated and I didn't want people coming up behind me to feel how I felt back in the day and that's pretty much how it started and since then I've been able to connect with people from every corner of the globe I've had emails from China about a family from Australia get in touch looking for help I was able to connect them then with my consultant in Birmingham and they actually have plans now to travel over to the UK to see my consultant simply from finding fighting fit viewings online and that's the whole point it's to create a little community of people that are dealing with something that's you know, illness-wise or, or, or anything, really, that they might need a little bit of guidance with. And I want to use my own experiences to really help as many as I can. Now, 
Just to go back a little bit, you mentioned that the Fighting Fit for Ewings is the campaign for where you're creating the awareness for people. How common is it in Ireland? Right, so to, to give you a, an idea, the year I was diagnosed in 2002, seven, 16 others in Ireland were diagnosed. And of those 16, I don't actually know how many survived. The thing with Ewings is that if you get past a certain amount of time, you're considered relatively safe. But the first year or two, it's not great for a lot of people. And I actually only met my first Ewing survivor about a year and a half ago, even though I myself was diagnosed, you know, years and years ago. So that gives you a rough idea of just how rare it is. Wow. So you've been battling this for a number of years now. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure like anybody else, I mean, you know, everybody has their issues. Everybody has their concerns, their ups and downs in life. I mean, yes. you know, to be able to pick yourself up time and time again, that must have taken, you know, a lot of drive, a lot of, you know, ability just to move forward. I mean, no doubt you've had difficult times along the way where you've just wanted to give up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest, there has been a couple of times where I just thought, you know what, this is too much for anybody to take. There was a couple of situations where I was dealing with one really big setback um, medically and then something else happened on top of it. And then just as I was getting on with that, something else happened. And you do start to feel, my God, have I done something wrong? Why do I keep getting setback after setback? But at the same time, like you can look at it that way and only look at it that way or you can acknowledge that yes it's a little bit unfortunate but also that there's good things that can come from it and that's what I'm trying my absolute best every single day to do because I don't want to be I don't want to become cynical just because of my circumstances like I'm 31 now I'm still relative not as young as I used to be but still <laughs> relatively young and I want my outlook on life to remain positive but that isn't something that will just happen that takes work and that applies to everybody that's that's dealing with a setback you know it's so much easier to think negatively about it because it is a negative situation but if you choose to look at it from a different point of view it can change your outlook entirely now you've been sharing this message you know with students you've been sharing this message at business events you've been talking you know at events right across the country to a wide variety of people one of your talks that i noticed on your website is all about overcoming adversity interestingly yeah. enough what would be your five sort of key tips that you would share on how to overcome adversity because it's something that many people struggle with yeah and exactly and it doesn't have to be illness related like you know there's so many people out there dealing with so many different things whether it's financial illness mental health you know there's there's so many things so i'm hoping that my five tips can be kind of can resonate with absolutely everybody so the first one i would say is acceptance this is the thing that you have to do before you can move forward you know before you can do anything positive with your situation you first have to actually accept your situation and I didn't until 2013, which is why I mentioned earlier that before I got the news about being on crutches forever, I kept in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, I'll, you know, once I get better, I'll do this, that and the other. But I had to actually accept that, right, this is it before I was able to change. And really and truly, as soon as that, it was almost like a light bulb moment. As soon as that happened, everything just had a really positive knock on effect. Everything changed, my whole outlook changed, which meant that I was able to move forward and make any type of decision that I wanted, but it all started with acceptance. Second thing I would say is, I'll be honest, just throw the rule book right out the window. If you're facing a serious situation, only you can decide what works for you. Like most definitely seek advice and ask people and look out, look for people like myself and Michael Franz, look for people that have walked before you, but make it work for you and make your own rules. My third thing would be, and I have this actually on my website, just start. 
Stop making excuses. Don't overthink it. Just start and see how you get on. The worst thing that will happen is that you'll end up back where you are now. Like I've, I've had conversations with so many people that have really wanted to move forward some, with something and get past something, but they're putting things, they're putting barriers in their way and they're making excuses. Instead of just taking that initial step and figuring it out as they go along, you're probably aware of the expression, don't tell me what you're going to do, tell me what you've done. Yes. It's one of my favorite expressions. I love it. The fourth thing is learn as you go and view setbacks as learning opportunities. And I, I kind of mentioned this briefly earlier. You know, I have had a number of, of setbacks and it's only when I kind of started looking at everything differently that I could, instead of viewing them as setbacks, I actually viewed them as learning opportunities. So say rather than, than a, an example of how, right, so the best example I can give of this, whenever I was diagnosed first um, and I was having treatment down in Dublin, my mum would always come down with me and I was so incredibly needy, it was unreal. I wouldn't let her, she would have to sit beside my bed at all times and if she even wanted to go and have a break outside, I was wondering where she went. And I realised that this wasn't going to work moving forward. I realised that I was not only holding myself back, but I was holding my mum back. So I had a big think and I started thinking about hospitals rationally started thinking about them as simply what they were, which is just a building. I took the fear out of the whole thing. Before I knew it, my whole mindset towards hospitals changed. So fast forward 2011, I was in Australia where I was having my hip removed. When I had the second hip replacement, it first had to be taken out while I was on the other side of the world. And my friends offered, I was away from my family, but my friends were, were in the area and they offered to come in the morning of the surgery just to be with me. Because I had thought about everything in the years between my first surgery and this one and taking the fear out of being in hospital. I didn't actually need them there on the day. So I simply said, look, girls, go on to work. I'll be fine. I had absolutely no fear facing a huge surgery by myself on the other side of the world. And I didn't realize what, what had happened in the moment. It was only when I looked back that I, I basically come full circle. You know, I was able to have I ended up actually having two surgeries that week. There was no fear at all. And it was actually it was completely fine. But it took me a while to appreciate that. You know, I wouldn't have been able to think like that at the first surgery. I had to go through it, I had to learn as I went and start thinking about everything differently. And, it, you know, if I face surgery now, tomorrow, next year, whenever, it'll be fine. So I would say that if you are facing something, you kind of do have to, as I say, learn as you go. Yeah. And the last, the last thing I would say is, and I would say this is the most important thing when overcoming adversity, is having a strong mindset. This really is so important because without it, everything I've just said is useless. Before you can make any type of change, you first have to be ready. Um, and this applies to anything. You know, if, if there was somebody dealing with any type of issue, even, you know, addiction, anything at all, if they're not ready to change themselves, no amount of talking to that person is going to make a difference. And I know that from personal experience because I've had times where family members have tried to talk to me. Um, about dealing with things a little bit better but because I wasn't ready to hear it it just fell on deaf ears whereas once I made that decision to change the way I thought about things I was open then to everything that came my way that's pretty much what I would say on overcoming adversity I absolutely love those tips acceptance throw the rule book out the window just start learn as you go and you know have a strong mindset I mean they are so important for all facets of life and I think they're really, really useful and I think definitely will apply to a lot of our listeners on the show here. You know, they can take a lot of away from that and they can relate to those and they're they're really, really useful and really, really beneficial. Um, many people both north and south are living with a disability. What are some of the tips and strategies from your how-to guide which you could share with us 
For those maybe listeners who might be living with a disability, what's some sort of advice that you might like to share? Okay, so first thing I want to say is on this is, or the first tip is appreciate the power of laughter in times of crisis. So anybody that's dealing with a disability, especially if it's a long-term disability, you know, it's a day in, day out struggle for some. You get up every day and you're facing the same hardship that you had the day before. And before you know it, you are just miserable. There's no fun left in life. All it is, your whole life is based around being ill, which is is not a, a pleasant way to live. And I, again, I know this, anything that I say, I know from experience. Um, and it's it can just really, really get you down. So I want to get to share a really quick story with you to sure. give, you, give you an example of how important laughter is. Whenever I was in Letterkenny General during my chemotherapy treatment, I um, contracted an infection, um, which is quite normal with chemo. And anybody that's had it or anybody that knows anybody that's had chemo will know that your immune system is shot to ribbons during chemotherapy. And the chance of getting infections is extremely high. This is exactly what happened to me. And it was kind of emergency stations in um, my hospital room. The ambulance people had arrived to bring me straight to Dublin. It was that serious that they wanted me to travel straight down to Dublin. My family were there and the doctors were all there ready to bring me into the ambulance. And my dad had quickly planned on going home to, to get a bag for me to bring me down to bring down to Dublin. My mum and my dad deal very differently with um, stressful situations. My mum is quite calm, collected. My dad panics. So dad going home to, to pack my bag probably wasn't the best decision for him because he couldn't think straight. So just to give you a little bit of background here, I'd had about six cycles of chemotherapy. So most people know that the majority of chemotherapy will cause you to result in hair loss, which is exactly what happened to me. So I was sitting in the bed, bald as an eagle, light shining off the top of my head. And my dad was asking me what I wanted from the house. He was asking me, you know, what do you need? Pajamas? What type of shampoo do you want? The room just went silent and he didn't he was so stressed he didn't actually even realize what he'd said so he said it again and he was getting annoyed with me because i didn't answer and i just said dad take a look at my head right now and it took him still even as he was looking at my bald head it still took him a second to realize and then we all just fell about the place laughing but it was in that moment of you know that could have gone one of two ways i could have got really thick um, and been quite sensitive about that situation or i could have done what I did which was to just burst out laughing and everybody else did the same and it was a situation that so could have ended you know you know you, it was you were either going to laugh or cry because we were in a crisis situation because of that little moment of humor it just broke the tension and there'll be so many situations that people can relate to that where something really serious is happening and it, that tension you can actually feel it within the whole family at times and unless there's a little bit of humor to break it it can be be overpowering so i would definitely say laughter is key yeah and people should appreciate the power of laughter which is great definitely and just have you know taking a bit of time to just just have a laugh just relax and not think about the elephant in the room just kind of you know take a little bit of time to appreciate your family and that that problem will always be there but have a bit of fun along the way if possible the other thing i would say is accept help I struggled with this whenever I was initially diagnosed. I didn't want any help. I didn't want any special, you know, I didn't want the occupational therapist coming into the house and putting in special aids that would help me get around. I just thought of all of that as that'll make my house look like a hospital and I hated it. It was only as I got older and matured a little that I appreciated that actually these things are there to help. So now when there's stuff out there, you know, I'm speaking with a specialist at the moment who makes hip braces 
and he's actually trying to get a carbon fiber hip brace made for me which will really help during my adventures if i fall at the moment i'm in danger of dislocating my hip and if that happens i'll be fast tracked to amputation which obviously would be terrible but to have a hip brace small enough and neat enough that i can wear climbing wear when i'm in the gym would change so much for me and it actually excites me like I mean, people get excited about getting a new car. I'm getting excited about getting a new race. <laughs> I've changed so much. But that can, you know, those things are there to help and appreciate that. Um, and like say things like crutches, if you need crutches to walk, just use them. Don't fight them again like I did. I spent a year limping before I, I accepted that, you know, crutches would actually help me get around easier. And my life was instantly easier once I accepted this type of help. So don't be stubborn like me. <laughs> Accept the help if it's there for you. The other thing I would say is to be prepared. As they say, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Say if I'm just give an example of how being prepared will help if you have, depending on your disability, this will kind of vary. But for me as a crutch user, if I'm traveling, say over to the UK, and I'm traveling by myself going through the airport, I have to visualize the journey. I have to actually think about going through the airport, going through security. Like I have quite a lot of metal in my hip. I know I'm going to be. How can I make this whole journey as easy as possible on myself? So I decided to get a really good backpack rather than trying to carry a wheelie suitcase with one hand and my crutches in the other and just being, you know, a fumbling mess. I wanted life to be as easy as possible. So I got myself a really decent backpack that can be used as carry-on. It's designed for cabin luggage, but it's a backpack, so it means my hands are free. So being prepared just simply by getting a backpack has actually made travel for me so much easier. You know, if you're only having a carry-on, you're going to have to have your little bag of, you know, your clear, your liquids and all. Having that close to hand, these types of simple things will make that journey so much easier. And that's being prepared in general will really, really help. Who doesn't want an easy life? Yeah, and um, of course, with all facets of life, you have to be prepared. And that's a great thing, yeah. you know, you know, accepting help even as well. And really, you know, those are things that, you know, people take for granted a lot of the times. But when yeah. you're in a situation like you've been in, these things are so, so important. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. The last thing I want to say just briefly is my last tip would be to remember it's not all about you. Mm-hmm. But before I before I accepted that I needed crutches, I spent almost a year in quite a lot of pain, but trying to just be normal, which meant limping visibly, but trying not to limp. Um, it sounds ridiculous now, but it's just that year, I, I that's just the way things were. But I was incredibly self-conscious as I walked. So if I was walking down the street, I would be so sure that everybody sitting in their cars was looking at me. It was only until I was sitting in traffic myself one day, and I happened to notice somebody at the window who was walking up the street limping. And I glanced at them and looked away. I literally looked at them for a second, didn't even really acknowledge what, what was happening. And I looked away. And it was only afterwards that I realized that was essentially me back in the day. And I realized that how little time I'd actually spent looking at that person is how much time people spent looking at me. But in my head, I'd have built up to think that, oh, they're looking at me the whole time I'm walking up the street. But actually, it was just a fleeting glance. And that is so important that like life isn't, all, you know, it's not all about you. There's other people out there. What you think is a huge deal in your head is a passing glance to others. I think that's so important to remember that. Absolutely, really, really is. Those are absolutely great tips for anybody, you know, living with a disability. And I think it's something that, you know, not only those people with a disability, but all of us, in fact, can implement and can take something away from. Now, this next question, I'm I'm really not sure about asking you it because I don't know what you're going to say, given what you've (laughs) just told me, given some of the things that you've been up to. What's next for Nikki Bradley and what does the future look like? Okay, so in terms of my adventuring 
what is next is next July, I hope to become the first woman on crutches to climb four of Ireland's mountain peaks in less than 24 hours. So that will involve climbing Lugnaquilla in Wicklow, Carantuhal in Kerry, Crowpatrick in Mayo and uh, Mount Errigal in Donegal. So I'm currently training for that and I'm hoping that that'll be a success next year. Now, just let me stop you for a minute. I would struggle to get up those mountains, you know, without crutches, never mind with crutches. I mean, the, the training must be intense for that. I mean, I mean, tell me about it. <laughs> well, simply because of the location of all of the other mountains outside of Mount Errigal in Donegal, which is where I live, it's not really practical to train regularly on the other mountains, especially at this time of year. So what we've decided to do, myself and Ian Miller, who is a world-renowned climber, he's an absolute legend, um, the two of us will be doing it, So, and we're both based in Donegal. So what we've been doing is actually climbing Errigal over and over as part of our training. And our last climb, we went down as far as Crowpatrick, climbed that first. I think we were there for about five in the morning or six. And then we drove back up to Mount Errigal and climbed that straight away. So even sitting in the car for a little length of time, for whatever amount of hours between Mayo and Donegal, was all part of the training because on the day, my body will seize up between climbs. Um, our next climb will involve climbing Muckish Mountain, which is also in Donegal, then driving over to Mount Errigal and doing a double climb of Mount Errigal all in the one day. So it'll essentially be three mountain climbs in one day, which isn't, I won't lie, that that isn't my idea of fun. <laughs> However, it is necessary as part of the training. And the more you do th- th- these types of things, the less scary they become. So the first double climb I did, I genuinely wasn't sure if I'd be able to finish. But the very next climb, the very next double climb seemed so much easier. And so you do have to kind of get through the first or the second unpleasant climbs to appreciate, right, I'm not going to die here, I'll be fine. And that, yeah, we'll just keep going with that type of training until we're ready to go. Well, now, before I got on to the podcast with you today, uh, just to let you know what I was up to, I was out for a 5K run and I actually struggled to even do the 5K. And here you are doing back-to-back mountain climbs in in different parts of Ireland in the one day. I mean, it's just sort of, you know, it makes my (laughs) mediocre 5K like a bit of a laugh and a bit of a joke. But, it, it, you know, it does. (laughs) It's not like that. Everybody, yeah. (laughs) It's it's, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And and what what else in the pipeline? Okay, well, in, in terms of general adventuring, I'm always on the lookout. In fact, this would be a great opportunity to say this to, to your listeners. I'm always on the lookout for another challenge. So I like doing challenges within challenges. So even though the big one for next year is obviously the, the four climbs, I do want to be able to do other things. So I have a couple of things lined up with Ian. But what I would say to any of your listeners that are in this adventuring sphere I would love if they got in touch and challenged me. I used to do this with, I wrote for a paper in Donegal and I would do this quite regularly where I would ask the, the readers to challenge me and it led to me becoming the first woman to abseil off Bannad Lighthouse here in Donegal. That was suggested by somebody. I never would have thought of it as an option if they hadn't have suggested it. So what I would say is if, if anybody out there has a really juicy challenge, by all means send it my way because I... I love trying new things. It's, it's pretty amazing. I'm going to move on because I'm afraid of you challenging me and I'm still <laughs> trying to get up to my 5K. So I don't want to be uh, going. We have Sleeve Donard Mountain actually here where I'm located. Um, oh, I know. I have it on the list before Christmas. Well, if you're coming this direction, let me know because I might I just will. tag along. At least I try and get up that mountain as well. Because I've never, you know something, I've never actually climbed it or I've never actually walked it. And lots of people have. So I hear it's pretty amazing. So, well, 
You've now said this. You can't back down. You've said it now live on air. <laughs> Brilliant. Look, listen, Nikki, tell me, um, if people want to get in touch with you directly, if somebody's listening to the podcast right now, I know we have a lot of teachers listening. We've a lot of youth workers uh, who yeah. listen to the podcast on a regular basis. And we also have students and all sorts of different people listening. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe about speaking at an event, you know, that's the kind of thing that you do. You're available yeah. to come along and speak to youth groups, community groups, schools, and also businesses. How do they yeah. find out a little bit more about you? Okay, well, first of all, they can visit my website, themotivationfactory.ie. You'll also find me on, I'm on every bit of social media, um, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, The Works, Facebook. So if you search Nikki Bradley Speaks or on Twitter, Nikki B Speaks, and Nikki is spelled N-I-K-K-I, you should find all of it. And then the Fighting Fit for Ewing's Facebook page, if you search that, you'll find that as well. That's brilliant. I know that definitely a lot of our listeners will be reaching out after this. They'll, they'll be following you on the social media channels. And again, you know, it's been a truly, truly inspirational interview this afternoon. And I've really, really enjoyed having you on. I mean, I've actually wrote two pages of notes oh while you were talking <laughs> uh, because I'd like to write up some of the show notes so that really, you know, I can sort of, you know, write a blog post on this and really sort of yeah. think back through some of the tips that you shared. And they've been phenomenal. I mean, it's been such such an inspirational journey for you let alone me here this afternoon hearing of all the different things you went through and I can only imagine that it's going to continue to be that way for you I mean so please do keep me informed of your journey what's happening out there and I'd love to get you back onto the show at some point particularly even after that those four peak challenges that you're going to do to really just sort of for you to take our listeners through your mindset how you train for that some of the strategies and some of the tips that you have used in order to make that happen because lots of people who listen to the show are experiencing their own issues and their own challenges and I think you've added an incredible amount of value to the listeners today so I want to thank you Nikki for taking time out to join me on the show today thank you so much for having me it was brilliant one word whoa that was inspirational that was an amazing episode with Nikki Bradley there are so many key takeaways to this episode I mean I read two pages of notes as Nikki was sharing her her, her her story with us today. I mean, I particularly loved Nikki's five tips on how you can overcome adversity. I mean, this is something that affects many, many people. Um, you know, that whole aspect of, you know, accepting the situation, throwing the rule book out the window, just starting, learn as you go, and having a strong mindset. I particularly loved Nikki's story and it's something that, you know, really, really has struck a chord with me about appreciating the power of laughter. So, such an important message and something which really, really resonated with me. So that was one amazing, inspirational episode and I really want to thank Nikki for her time coming on to the podcast today and I do recommend that if you do have a moment that you go across and you have a look at her website, you maybe give her a follow on Instagram. She's hopefully going to be doing some events in Northern Ireland and and in other parts of Ireland over the next couple of months and even into 2018. So if you do get the opportunity and she's coming to a venue near you, I highly recommend you make that uh, you make that uh, commitment and you go out and you hear what she has to say. Um, as always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do remember to share it with your family and friends. That is always important. If there's something that you would like me to cover on the show over the next couple of weeks, couple of months, I would love to hear from you. Please drop me an email into zero lives left podcast at gmail.com or indeed send me a tweet to at zero lives left. As always, don't forget, reviews are very important on the podcast. If you're listening over on iTunes, please do rate and review the podcast. If you're listening over on Stitcher Radio, 
we would appreciate a review over there as well. We're going to be coming back in the very near future with episode 30. 30 episodes of this podcast. Wow, that is amazing. We're going to be coming back to you with another episode of the Zero Lives Left podcast very soon. So stick around and I'll see you on the next episode of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Thanks for listening to the Zero Lives Left podcast with Wayne Denner. Make sure to check out Wayne's new book, The Student's Guide to an Epic Online Reputation, available from WayneDenner.com and follow him on Twitter at Wayne Denner. Tune in next time.